All it takes is one person to stand up and say, not anymore, not as long as I'm here. So I'm going to stand on this chair and yell that, don't. Most people are afraid to do the right thing. You ever notice that? Yeah. I do. That is a selection of dialogue uh, from Spider-Man Bloodline. That's between uh, Ben and uh, Faye. Faye Ito, who's a, uh, a new character Ben meets, and Ben is a new character we're meeting uh, in this story. Uh, this is MJ. I love Spider-Man, comics in general, but Spider-Man more specifically. And right now, I want to talk about Spider-Man Bloodline, uh, which is actually something I was a little nervous about going into, but I'm very happy about now that I'm here. Um, so, this is written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams, his son. The artist is Sarah Pacelli. Uh, according to the credits here, it says uh, Elisabetta De DiMaccio is the uh, assistant uh, when it comes to inking, at least. And uh, Dave Stewart is the color artist or colorist. And uh, Joe Caramagna is the letterer. So, the... Well... I'm going to start with a review of this comic. I, hopefully the review portion will take about five minutes, maybe a little more, closer to ten. And then I, I want to talk about Abrams, uh, or the Abramses, um, and uh, how I feel about uh, what they're doing here. So, here we go. I want to start by talking about the covers. So, the uh, standard cover uh, I didn't like too much. Um, I don't know if it says who did the art here. Well, Dave Stewart did the coloring on it, and I don't know if Sir Pacelli did the uh, the the actual line work on it. But it just feels a little awkward. Um, I don't know. It feels well. One, it doesn't pertain to the specific issue, uh, so I didn't like that. Um, two, uh, it feels like uh, I don't know somewhere between they're trying to make MJ too sexy and uh like it's inappropriate for the issue or uh i just like the pose is weird like it almost looks like it was made off of a a photo reference and or maybe it just i don't know something about the pose feels really off to me and uh wasn't a big fan of it which you know not um not a huge deal thankfully and i i'm not sure if uh if chris the uh comic shop owner mentioned to me that there were um, uh, a bunch of other, a bunch of variant covers because of um, maybe he didn't like the original cover or just because, you know, variants are a good thing. They help, you know, the comic shop sellers sell more and whatnot, I, I think. Or maybe they help Marvel. I, I don't quite know how that goes. But regardless, uh, that's what I have to say about that cover. It's very okay um, and uh, not a big fan of it. So I went ahead and got the variant. This uh, one was done by Ed, um, sorry, Umberto Ramos and Edward uh, Edgar Delgado. Sorry. Eh. Anyway, uh, I've heard Ramos. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of, of Delgado, but again, I, I'm newer to uh, you know getting into the finer points and the the more nerdy details of comics. So I like this one um, because well, this was the only, I think this was the only variant I saw, but I didn't like dig through them because I thought oh well, there's gonna be one variant cover, but there was like three or four. So anyway, uh, it just it feels very uh kinetic uh i love the it's like the height of action uh i i think i can picture spidey you know 
throwing a punch or kicking at that giant robot thing in a cloak that he's fighting. Um, which, it just, it felt better. It looked better. Uh, thought it would look good on a thumbnail, and I thought I would enjoy looking at the cover here as opposed to the other one. So, um, good stuff. Very action-y. I, I think it's funny that uh, the Spidey mask on here um, that Ramos and uh, Delgado made has the uh, the pointy or like almost squinty eyes. And uh, I know he's a little skinnier than usual. Kind of weird, but overall, I dig it. So I'd primarily like to start or and talk about the uh, the art. That's going to be the bulk of my actual review, and then I'm going to shift into more of a, a meta-analysis or discussion of this whole thing and this project and how it came about. Uh, but anyway, the art is really good. At first glance, it looks and feels like Be Cool Scooby-Doo to me. Like, everybody's skinny. Everybody has a certain lankiness to them. Everyone has a sort of uh, millennial look to them that kind of bothered me. But uh, honestly, the line work is very good. Um, the uh, faces are very expressive. They're uh, very, uh, or they're fairly simplified. Like they strike the perfect balance of being simple enough for the artist, uh, for um, gosh, what's her name, Pacelli, uh, to draw again and again. But it's also not um, well. And that's from the farther away she gets, uh, Pacelli. Yeah, the farther away she gets from the actual drawing of the people's faces, uh, the less detail there is, which makes sense. And the closer she gets, and she'll go crazy with the lines and really give a lot of detail and character to each of them, which is great. So. I couldn't appreciate her art at first. Uh, when I glanced it in the comic shop, I made a comment about it, and the owner was just like, no, it's beautiful. And I agree. After having read it, uh, the sense of motion that she creates uh, in her line art is really fantastic. Uh, the coloring's pretty good. Um, it gets to be, uh, like, moody and evocative. Um, it edges into moody and evocative, uh, but it's mostly, like, pretty straight-laced and, like, straightforward, uh, like, realistic coloring, I would say. Uh, and that's fine. If you're looking at the uh, video version of this along with me, um, then uh, I'll be able to talk more specifically over the art. Um, but like, it just really does have a wonderful sense of motion, and uh, like the angles that she chooses to work with are really great. And moving from panel to panel, uh, you can feel the passage of time. You can feel um, how things are changing. And there's this one really great shot of Peter in the beginning. But by the way, this is a recommend. Definitely, you should go get this. Uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and start spoiling it now. Um, there's this really awesome pathetic shot. It, it, it looked pathetic on the uh, the cover of the behind the scenes one in black and white and everything, and it kind of bothered me. I was thinking, why is she making Peter look like or Spider-Man look so so weak and um, well, like I said, pathetic. That was the word that came to mind exactly when I saw it. And it is pathetic, and it's pathetic on purpose. Uh, the part I'm talking about is where Peter is being mobbed by these under ground-ish crustacean-type creatures. I, I don't really know what they are. Anyway, uh, he's being mobbed by a bunch of them. Uh, his right arm has been shattered, which we'll see the repercussions of later in the, uh, the comic, and he is desperate to save Mary Jane. Um, he does all he can do, which is reach up to the sky, uh, put his fingers in that special, uh, you know, hand motion that means I love you in sign language and means... Uh, Spider-Man and action and danger and daring to so many other people around the world and uh, he desperately tries to save her. Something I, I noticed is really cool is that the panel doesn't actually allow um, the, the web that he's shooting up, it doesn't break the panel at all. It's within the panel almost uh, communicating how confined he is um, and how he's unable to get to her in time 
uh, because Peter does fail, Spider-Man does fail to save her. And there's a brutal line at Mary Jane's funeral um, that was something like, you know, according to reports or eyewitness report, uh, Spider-Man saved everyone. He always does. And uh, the saved everyone part is uh, on little Ben, and he always does. Uh, you get a close-up of Peter's face, and it's really effective and very powerful. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with the art. I'm going to compliment the writing right now. Not that I have anything negative to say about the writing overall, but just how this happened is interesting to me, um, or how I perceive it happened. Um, anyway, the, uh, some of the lines in this, uh, comic are absolutely brutal, and they feel, uh, traitorous, torturous, like they take delight, like the writer's taking delight in, uh, causing you pain with the scenario they're setting up, and then the dialogue that accompanies the imagery and the reality set in this, uh, this world, in this Spider-Man story, and it's, it's pretty great. It's, it's all done to great effect. I feel really dumb about this, but I'm kind of tickled by the fact that uh, Peter looks like uh, Keanu Reeves here, uh, like modern-day Keanu Reeves, uh, you know, whether that be John Wick or whatever. Uh, but that's just pretty funny to me. Um, meanwhile, uh, man, it, <laughs> I wonder if the reason Peter is avoiding Ben is because of how much he looks like Mary Jane, because there's definitely, you know, the similarities there. Anyway, uh, the title of this uh, review or this episode, whatever, is uh, You Have More Power Than You Know. And uh, that's one of those lines that hurts. And I guess, you know, the art's great. Um, I already praised it. I'm going to go ahead and switch gears and talk about the writing itself uh, a little bit more and then talk about how this got put together. Um, so I really love uh, the aspect of, of suffering and pain that Spider-Man endures, um, which uh, is definitely part of his character. Uh, but this isn't just a story about um, Spider-Man or Peter Parker. It's it's more than that. It's a, a, a transitional story. Uh, the bulk of the issue is actually dedicated to... Let me see where the staple is. The bulk of the issue is dedicated to this very sad story of Peter and Mary Jane. And then um, it switches to being about uh, Ben Parker, uh, who's being raised by May in absentia of his father and like I said I, I, I wonder how much of that is because of how hurt um, Peter is and how hard it is to be around this boy who reminds him so much of uh, the woman he lost of his wife uh, who he loved so so dearly um, the uh, the pain of all that is is so I, it really comes off the page uh, you can feel the repercussions of everything that's happened um, Peter's you know lost half of his arm I think half of his right arm he's got a, a hook handed prosthesis now um, he's you know emotionally and physically scarred and damaged and that's hurting Ben too because Ben is getting into fights all the time at school um, he's always trying to do the right thing Peter tells him about how selfish he's being and Peter even has this line to him that sometimes doing the right thing only makes things worse which is an alternate title or, or quote that I wanted to pull for uh, entitling this this review um, because it spoke to me as being evocative of, I don't know, maybe the theme of the issue, if not maybe the, you know, the story that we have so far. And uh, it's pretty powerful and it's pretty sad to see that Peter could be affected to where he's uh, in a state where that's how he truly, honestly feels. And then uh, switching gears to talking about how that's affected uh, Ben. He's angry. He has an uh, overdeveloped sense of justice, uh, to quote a madman. Um, and he wants to see the little guy defended 
and he feels like since he has the power to do that, he should. Now, it's a little confusing to me how strong Ben is. We don't know a lot of the details. Um, I guess, is that the mystery box in effect? Um, anyway, we, we don't know how strong Ben is or if he knows about his powers. I don't think he does, although the big jock guy calls him a freak when, he, um, when Ben's uh, butting in to his bullying to uh, stop him from you know beating up this poor guy. Um, so, called a freak, is that just because of his personality or is that because he's freakishly strong? We don't know. Uh, I don't know if we will find out, but uh, Aunt May, May sure seems to know that he has powers and she knows that Peter was Spider-Man and uh, when that's all discovered, it seems like something she's been waiting for and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it's nice that, uh, you know, that mystery is gone, but really, I, I feel like I can't talk too much about the rest of the story because... Um, I feel like the rest of the story isn't ready to be talked about. I feel like this first issue, while I do recommend it, and it was good, uh, I would say it was very good even, uh, a lot of why I thought it was so good depends on the past. It depends on bringing up that history. I am uh, so invested in the relationship between Peter Parker and Mary Jane uh, that I... Uh, I got emotional when she died. Um, the The art was very effective, very beautifully drawn. Uh, the coloring was great too. Um, the striations of red through the the black blocking, or was it black through red? I don't know. But anyway, the way it was done was so uh, beautifully done, so elegant. Um, I actually wanted to kind of feature that, but uh, one, it's a major spoiler, and two, like it sucks that the most beautiful image from this is of uh, you know this great character dying. Um, anyway, uh, but I wonder. So, again, now I'm going to go ahead and switch gears. Because I'd kind of like to critique the Abramses. Uh, so JJ and Henry wrote this together. and uh, But before I go on to that, I want to talk about this uh, crustacean underground dude. Um, we see this guy with uh, like a drumstick and a tea kettle and like a sausage maker or warmer. And he's eating sausages in his lair where he's talking about, you know, they won't give up and they won't fail and it looks like he's trying to revive some woman and stuff. Um, so again, there's these, you know, uh, opaque mysteries being set up. We have no idea what the heck's going on and, uh, you know, we'll have to keep reading and buying to find out, I guess. Um, but this guy was going, it sounded like they wanted Spider-Man's help. Uh, I don't know if they needed his genes, his blood, something like that to resurrect this individual or what. But, uh, the guy looks, one, goofy, and two, kind of like he's supposed to be, uh, kind of like one of the robots uh, from Force Awakens when you go to Maz Kanata's castle. There's that one lumbering one that I was sure was CGI, but turns out that was a, a practical puppet, um, you know, with the uh, much-vaunted practical effects of uh, the Force Awakens, which, point of fact, had way more, um, I think Phantom Menace had more practical effects than Force Awakens, and I think Force Awakens had more digital effects than any of the Star Wars prequels, so that's just kind of funny, but, um, this guy reminding me of that droid, and, uh, maybe even, to some extent, the, uh, like, bad robot thing, um, I guess is symbolic of some of the issue I have with this story, and with some of the trappings of J.J. Abrams as a writer, and I'm gonna overshare real quick, and say that I'm kind of in a similar position to Henry Abrams. Uh, no, my dad isn't a uh, famous movie director uh, and showrunner and all this other stuff, but uh, I do benefit from nepotism because my job that I've had for the last uh, over a decade 
is actually a family business that I uh, was brought into. And uh, I've had to uh, survive on my own merits, but I know I got a lot of grace from being a family member, especially early on. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And I used to be very against nepotism, but it doesn't bother me so much because uh, if someone's brought in and then they can prove themselves, or and then they're set up in a meritocracy, but they do get a leg up because of you know who they know, who they're related to, I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, I'll admit that I was dubious about the quality of this comic because before I read it, because I thought, well, J.J. Abrams is famous. He's got all this clout, Star Wars, Star Trek, all this other stuff. You know, his son's going to be brought in to do this. Um, and they're going to be doing it together. I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder how that's going to go. And uh, anyway, you can actually, I'm actually at my work right now on my break. You can hear uh, some of the machinery that I used to run um in the background, probably, and an ambulance. Sorry about that. It's just, it's, I, I, I'm a gorilla content producer, so you just have to bear with me. But, um, I feel like I've proven myself at work. Um, I still screw up. Everybody makes mistakes. I try my best. Uh, and I think the Abrams did their best too. But it is interesting to me that The Force Awakens has, uh, a classic hero, um, kind of passing the torch to a new generation. Uh, who suddenly awakened to their powers, and the hero from the past is a broken man who's distant and who, after a great loss, abandoned his family, basically, and left them behind. He's quasi in contact with them, but he uh, doesn't... uh, He's not involved in his son's life anymore. They're estranged from each other, and his son is uh, hurting people because he's hurt and trying to find a way to make himself whole. Now... Was I just describing The Force Awakens, or was I describing this comic? I was kind of describing both, which I understand. Uh, I've done some writing. Uh, I have character things that I like to bring up again and again. I have not written nearly as much as J.J. Uh, Abrams. I have no idea how much Henry Abrams has written. But uh, it's interesting to me that these things keep coming up, and it feels a bit like a rehash. And I think that's unfortunate because... Had I not seen The Force Awakens, had J.J. Abrams not been involved with The Force Awakens, had it been a different story, and I know Kasdan was there too, but I won't speak against Kasdan only because I'm trying to be nice. Um, I would have a lot of different things to say, but it is interesting that the beats feel the same, and it feels like it's all a setup with no clear conclusion. Um, But the fact that this is, you know, serialized storytelling, it's a comic book, this is not a a one-shot that you're supposed to be able to read, say, wow, that was a great thing and then leave it alone. This story's going to build upon itself. Um, I imagine much like Spider-Man Life Story, which I loved. Um, I'm okay. I'm going to roll with it. Uh, But I do definitely want to see uh, the focus shift in the future, and uh, I'll be curious to see how everything pays off. So this is an exciting start, but I think J.J. Abrams is really good at making exciting starts to things, and as far as I've heard, he's not so great at finishing things. So I'm a little worried about where this will go, but for now... Uh, I definitely enjoyed it, but it just is funny to me how much it feels like The Force Awakens. And um, I, know, I haven't seen Lost at all because I refused to watch that show uh, when it was airing. So, like, does this start the same way? Uh, I doubt it because I, I've heard the scenario is totally different. But um, anyway, I just thought that would be uh, kind of funny to bring up. There is some bonus material. I, I think I mentioned earlier that I got this uh, free behind-the-scenes edition of uh, this issue, uh, but also in the back of this one there is a section where they talk about the process of how this got made and um i think yeah anyway uh it's done by nick i'm assuming spencer um maybe it isn't nick spencer though anyway uh but there is information about how 
this all got started. And I'm going to read that and I'm going to read through the interview with Sarah Pacelli. And I think I'll do that another video on that later. So I'm going to go ahead and end this right now. Um, but again, once, once again, I recommend it. Uh, it was good. The artwork was really solid. I think the artwork told the story better than the dialogue, but there was some really great dialogue that was just like jabbing you. It was hitting you in the most vulnerable spot possible. Um, and it was hitting those characters the same way. And it was just good because I like when Peter's life is suffering, even as much as I root for him, it's, it's nice for him to be an underdog. Uh, I guess I, I think I'm, I'm uh, articulating that poorly, but uh, I think you know what I mean if you're a uh, Spider-Man fan. And I think this works as a non-Spider-Man uh, fan story, too, coming into it. Um, it might rely a little bit on uh, the history and you knowing it, um, but I think it does stand on its own. It's a little weirder and less impactful if you're coming into this fresh. Um, so that's all I have to say. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up now. Thanks for sticking with me. Check out mjmunoz.com for more of my work. I talk about tokusatsu and write original fiction you can find there. I'm also participating in Tokutember, making tokusatsu-inspired art for the month of September. I am an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mjmunoz.com STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this. Subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time. I'm Swinging Through Comics.